Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shine with Purpose podcast. We are Kim, Christy, and Joanne. This podcast was created to empower you to step in your life purpose with faith and confidence. We hope you all feel inspired to our conversations. Witty? Hey, guys, welcome to another episode of Shine with Purpose. We are so excited for this episode. We have a wonderful guest joining the podcast today. Um, his name is Alan Mead. Thank you, Alan, for joining us. It's been, um, this is going to be a great episode. We cannot wait to what you're going to share with our listeners. And I, I think even the topic we're going to speak about today, it's really good as well. So we cannot wait for that. But before that, like, Alan, can you tell a little bit to our listeners like that are your testimony as a Christian? When did you meet Christ? Yeah. Yeah. When did he meet me? Oh, man. Because um, he's, he's rescued me out of a lot of stuff. Um, but no, I'm super excited to be on. Um, really, I was, I'm, I've like really been looking forward to this a lot. So um, yeah, like a little bit about me and how I met Christ. I grew up in a Christian household. And so um, it was never odd for me to be in church. It was never odd for, to hear about Jesus from an early age. Um, I was like the kid on the playground that would tell people about Jesus uh, me and my sister in the in the neighborhood growing up, like all the kids used to play in. We used to do like baptisms in the pool and like our friend Ashley's pool. And so we were very churchy kids. Um, I have one sister. Um, she's about two years older than me. So we were very churchy growing up. But um, but even from an early age, the Lord had already revealed himself to me, which was really cool. And then, of course, through life, like anybody else, you have to learn how to find Christ for yourself. Um, yeah. As the Bible says, you got to work out your own salvation. And so with that. Um, Although I had those Christian found that Christian foundation and those roots, and my parents are phenomenal. They really, um, they really poured and instilled good wisdom into us, the Word of God. They actually walked out the Word of God themselves. But then, of course, you know, you deal with all the peer pressure and, and temptations of this world, and so that it was probably a, around like eighth grade, um, seventh or eighth grade. I really started to deal with like um, pornography issues, um, things of that sort. Um, and then from there, it's just like, you know, your mind, I don't know about if y'all, if y'all understand, but the mind of a man can be very, just, um, it can be very tempting a lot. And so that was, like, uh, you know, that started. And then from there, you know, even in school, I would be, you know, bullied a lot verbally and things of that sort. So that really, um, I really caused me to face a lot of rejection from an early age, kind of calls you to become very siloed. Um, you start trying to get people before they can get you. Um, and so really just uh, struggling a lot with community. I could, I did not really have a lot of community. Um, but through that all, like Jesus was with me and I would recognize Jesus with me. Like his presence was very evident, but I was pretty much just going off of like what I knew. And it wasn't until really college came around where I'm like, hey, I actually have to walk this Jesus thing out myself. And so um, thanks be to God. When I got to college my freshman year, um, uh, there were two pastors um, that both were alumni of the college that I went to. And they really scooped me under their wing, um, you know, from early like day one. And they would, you know, take me to church. There was an old guy that lived in the community. His name was Albert. He was like a 75-year-old man. And he would pick me up every Sunday to take me to church. And um, so looking back, Jesus always had his ambassadors surrounding me to make sure that I was good. And so um, you really don't recognize it when you're in it until you look back and hindsight is 2020. And I'm like, Jesus was actually with me the whole time. He actually had his people around me. And so um, I stayed in church. I got involved with campus ministries. Um, and then from there, like 
like Jesus was just continued to progress me more and more, more and more, um, taking me out of things. Um, I had like anger problems, I felt like, and not like, you know, <laughs> anger problems where I'm like punching holes in walls, but like just, just internal anger that I really couldn't, uh, I, like, I really didn't understand where it came from. Identity issues, self-esteem issues, the whole nine. And then, um, Pretty much after that, the Lord really just started giving me so much community and um, people in my life and different ministries and churches that I was blessed to be a part of. And from there, like he really um, Jesus took me on the uh, he took me on the scenic route like he does a lot of stuff. Um, I always get excited when I hear about um, people that have these like supernatural, like what I call microwave testimonies. It's like. Oh, and then immediately Jesus set me free. And I'm like, yeah, I had to take the scenic route. You got to take the the, the Autobahn. But so, uh, but nevertheless, he's faithful and true. Um, and he's proved that to me time and time again. And even where he has me now, I'm just so grateful. I'm like, Lord, like you've done so much in my life. Um, you've used me in so many different ways to, to be impacted, also to impact people. And um, yeah, nobody can tell me that Jesus is not real. Nobody can tell me that. So, yeah, that's amazing. Your testimony kind of remind me of a little bit of my testimony as well. Like growing up in a Christian family as well, I had to find God to really, although I thought I, I mean, I was a Christian, but I had to find God by myself in college. So my question for you is that, how do you set yourself apart from the world? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, I was, I was spending time with the Lord just this morning and I was like, okay, Lord, you know, like what does being like set apart mean? And of course, we know that's where the word holy is. That's what it means is to be set apart. And like the first thing that God like really put on my mind is like Romans 12, one and two, where it says, you know, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's, you know, perfect will is. Um, And then there was another passage that he led me to, which was in Galatians one, I believe. Um, I think it was Galatians one. Yeah. Galatians one, verse 15 through 16. Paul says, you know, um, from the, from the time he was born, God, he said, set me apart. And it says for the purpose of going to, he called me to go preach to the Gentiles. And so what I think being set apart means is really, um, is really like, operating in God's like, like, like your God giving calling. What is that yeah. God giving purpose? <clears throat> and so I'm sitting there like, okay, you know, Lord, so many people are searching for what is my mm-hmm. calling? What is my calling? And I believe plan this day, the Lord is like, like, what did Paul say? He was called to preach to the Gentiles and the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, you know, we have like, people have such a limited view of what preaching means. We exactly. think that, oh, preaching means you're on a stage at a church on Sunday morning and you're speaking. Well, that's one form of it, but I think that's the only 1%. And I think what preaching simply is, is we are called with our lifestyles. We're called to whether you're preaching behind a camera because you because you make movies, whether you're preaching on a page because you write books, whether you're preaching because you are a local Uber driver and everybody that gets in your car gets to hear from you. Like everybody has a pulpit. Everybody has a platform and we all have to preach with our lifestyles. And so I was like, that's our calling. We're called to preach to the Gentiles, to those who are lost through our lifestyles and through the vocations and passions and hobbies that God has given us. And that's what, that's like our calling. That's how we're set apart. So, yeah, um, that's so, you made a good point here because some people might think ministry is just, is being on stage all the time, but you can, you you can minister right at your job, right? Well, wherever you are. Yeah, that, that was a good one. It reminds me of the episode we did because we did an episode like that. It was called um, 
what was the episode called? Evangelism. I think it was evangelism. Why evangelism? Mario or something like that. Evangelism right? starts where you are. Yeah, that was the uh, episode. Um, yeah. It, it just reminded me, because in the episode we were saying that a lot of times people think they should be in a particular place to start evangelizing where, while God called you to preach the gospel wherever you are. And right. sometimes God, God calls us to move right away. There's no time to waste. Like you have to spread the word out, out there and yeah. you can be in your living room and he inspires you with something and then boom, you go on Instagram, you can just do a video and it, it the message just like goes with the world. So I think it's just like, it, that's just how um, it's supposed to be, you know, as followers of Christ and, and yeah, it's really amazing that you share mm -hmm. Yeah, Alan mentioned something really nice because you said, you mentioned something about you evangelize like with your lifestyle, like You, well, we, whatever we preach, we have to live, right? Because if not, it's going to be like people is going to watch our lives and then our message. And if it doesn't match, then yeah, they can good. ask like what's happening here. Exactly. But you know, that's a way of how we can be set apart for God because we are marking like the difference, you know, from somebody who lives in the world and doesn't know God that to somebody who knows God and lives like he wants us, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. you really get on it um, when you said knowing God, you know, it talks about, which is such a, 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 what I call a scary scripture is, you know, Jesus says that, you know, on the last, on the last day. And when we get before him, there's going to be people that say, Jesus, like we casted out demons in your name and we prophesied in your name. Like, yeah. and Jesus is going to say the words I never knew. Mm -hmm. And that is such a wake up call. because it's like, wait a minute, we can be doing things for God and never know God. Which is like, wow, you know, how often have we done something just to do it? But, um, but you actually, it's, it's almost like one of those things where I've sometimes stumbled into something good where I'm like, somebody will come and be like, Hey, like, um, like case in point, I was playing pickleball the other day and, um, I got this like really good shot and I ended up scoring and the guy I was playing with, he was like, how did you do that? And I literally did not mean to do it. It like the ball literally just hit my paddle at the right angle and it ended up bouncing back and I ended up scoring a point. But it was one of those things where I was doing something, but I never intended to do. Um, and the same thing can happen to where people, if we're not careful, can just get into a church and they can just become, they can start serving. And they can just be doing all the things of ministry. And then they just happen to say, oh, yeah, I think I'm saved. Or, yeah, surely, surely I'm saved. But they never know Jesus. They never allow, they never experience him or, or say, I'm making a choice to be set apart for Jesus. I'm making a choice for him to live in me. And so um, I think that's really what set apart means is like you have to know God. And then once you know God, you have to begin obeying his word, which is part of getting to know him. And so practically what that looks like is, hey, if I'm a Christian and I'm set apart and I'm holy, I can't look like the world does. I can't listen to all the same music that the world listens wow. to. I can't I can't live in lifestyles that the world says is okay or not okay. You know, um, even down to what the hot topic of today is with sexuality and the choice of our bodies and things of this sort. It's like, hey, what does the word of God say? This is not what we said. And so part of Romans 12:1 and being set apart and holy as a holy and living sacrifice, as Paul talks about, is saying, I'm going to choose to go against what the world says is right or wrong. And I'm going to choose to do what Jesus says is right. And that in its essence is being set apart. Yeah. Actually, I was about to ask you, like, what are some actions that you have taken in your life for you to be set apart? Like, what are some actions, maybe friends, maybe uh, events, or maybe things that you used to do before meeting yeah. Christ? Like, what are some actions that you have taken? 
Uh, yeah, I think the yeah, I think the first thing is um, you have to know your weakness. Um, for me, um, you know, like I said, I dealt with a lot of sexual temptation, things of that sort, and brokenness. And so from there, um, one of the things that I had to do, like right off the bat, that was super easy, was it started with you know uh, movies, TV, and music, entertainment. You know, I'm come I come from like a filmmaking background, so I love movies. For me, I had to like the Holy Spirit really started convicting me about some movies I was watching that to that to the regular person they would say that movie's not bad but i knew that there were elements in that movie that that caused my flesh to be tempted and so therefore you have to cut out those movies um i think your community is a huge portion like who you hang around you become you know um and so with that thank god that that through being a part of different churches and college and stuff the lord surrounded me with good believers but there were some friends i can even remember in college that we were super close like the first 2 years even 3 and then as the Lord kept taking me further into him, they had those friends just had to leave. And so it just became my prayer. Lord, if there's anybody in my life that needs to go, would you remove them? Because it's too hard for me. And I kid you not, people just started just dipping. And you're like, whatever happened to such and such, you know? And so it is a tough thing for a lot of people. But I think what it really boils down to is um, your trust in God. If we, uh, the Lord told me today, he said, son, he said, you know, the the biggest and most effective lie of the enemy is to uh, is to make you think that um, that you or pretty much to get you to not trust God. If I if the enemy can get us to doubt God's uh, providence, to get us to doubt God's word, His commands, and ultimately get us to not trust in Him, then He's got us. But if I say, you know what, if God is telling me to cut off these people, if God is telling me that that I can't watch this or listen to this or I can't go to this party or to this concert or whatever it may be, am I really trusting that God's word is better? It, am I really trusting that his ways are better for me? God is not out to try to keep us from quote unquote fun. Like people think sin is fun, but it's actually really detrimental. And it's actually, it sucks. Because once you experience the joy of Jesus, it's like, actually, this is a lot better because it actually comes with peace and joy and 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 provision and goodness and faithfulness. So, um, so I would say to, you know, it, it definitely has to start with a, a deep level of faith in God. Do I trust that God's commands to tell me to walk away from this thing is leading me to a better place? And if I were to choose to go in the opposite direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Yeah, I really like your testimony, how God changed you and everything. And how would you say you have been um, inspiring others like in that same way? Because you say now you're working in a, at a church, you're also an entrepreneur as well. So how mm-hmm. all in your business, for example, as an entrepreneur? Um, I've seen your page, your business page, and I see that you include God in it, which is really mm-hmm. good. So I would just say that, because, you know, a lot of people are not that bold enough to include their faith in their business. So I think that's an amazing thing to do. So like, just how, like, how would you say that you did that? Or- yeah, I think it goes back to, you know, um, some for some people, which, you know, for, for believers, our faith in Christ is, should be who we are. Because it says it's our, you know, Christ is our our identity. You know, Paul says in Galatians two twenty, you know, for it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You know, or as in like another translation could say, Christ lives through me or out of me. Um, and I think like you know, it hit me the other day. I was like, you know, so many people probably wear a sports jersey. So many people will wear a shirt with their favorite artist or musician on it. You know, 
um, here in South Florida, people love, you know, rep- representing their flag of their home country. And I'm like, you know, we, we get so proud and, and expressive about so many things, you know, if with me loving movies, like I'll see a movie that I love and I'm going to tell everybody about it. Have you seen this movie? Have you seen this movie? Have you seen it? And people are like, yes or no. And I'm like, if you haven't seen it, here's why you got to go see it. And it hit me the other day and I'm like, man, you know, we as people, we can be so expressive and bold about things that we're passionate about. But when it comes to my faith, there's times that I've shut down and I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do it. And it's out of a fear of offense or am I going to be rejected and things of that sort. And I'm like, I could be rejected by saying I like a certain sports team. You know, I'm Mm -hmm. actually a Seminoles fan and the church I go to, they are a majority UF Gators fans. So I'm like, hey, do I even speak about me being a, a Seminoles fan? Am I going to get crucified? But I'm like, that's just one of a, a funny example of how we really treat, you know, our faith. And so I think um, to answer your question through um, through things like the business uh, concept factory and and everything, it's just really important for me to say, if this is who I am, and if Christ lives in me, then it's just it should just naturally come out because I think one of the most golden opportunities we have in 2023 or in today's society is because so many people are being hushed about their faith. The more people that are bold, those are the people that are going to get like all the eyes turned and say, wait a minute, this person's different. Wait a minute, this pastor or this minister or this, you know, podcast host or this entertainer or this celebrity or, or movie star, or whatever it may be, this person's speaking differently. And as we see with the Bible, that's what Jesus did. Like it says like the Israelites were like, Hey, he doesn't speak like the teachers of the law. He speaks with authority. And so even right there, because Jesus was once again set apart, you know, people immediately recognize like, wait a minute, this guy's different and we need to listen to what he has to say. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also, it, it kind of reminds me of being secure in your identity in Christ. And I just think the more we are secure and in, in who, on who we are in Jesus and we know who God calls us, to be like we already know that like there's nothing else that beat that and i think that's where this boldness come from and i just feel like a lot of people that are still afraid that are still scared to maybe mention be bold about their faith maybe um show that they're truly are christians i think it's because they don't know their true identity yet and it's just so sad because these days you see a lot of young women a lot of young men especially um so distracted from the church so distracted like from the things of God with with the things of the world, and they'll try. They'll, it's it's just so sad, like how the enemy is trying like to transform the young people, and it's just a battle out here. So I just feel like the more bold we are, like those of mm-hmm. us who know identity in Christ, the more bold we are, and we show that in everything that we do, we include Christ in it. And I just feel like it, it may inspire like so many people. We may save like so many people. We, you, you may not even know it, but like someone looking at you from afar can be like, oh, wow, you know what? This person is such an inspiration. Maybe if this person can do that and be super successful, I can be the same because, you know, truly Jesus is everything. And I just feel like for you, like it's such a great example for young men because you don't see that much young men being focused on Christ. And I just think like it's it's just amazing. It's very needed. It's very needed in our world today. Yeah. It also reminds me of the verse, uh, Matthew 10, 32, which says, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge in front of my father. So the fact that you're including God in your business and you're not ashamed to show your faith, uh, God values that a lot and because Amen. you're not ashamed of serving him to, to what you do. 
Amen. No, yeah, it's so important. And like you said, it's, you know, when we are more hushed about our faith, it, it goes back to a identity belief, like, hey, do I really know who I am in Christ? You yeah. know, and I do believe there are people who do know that they do know who they are in Christ, but there still is that that fear of man. I think that fear of man is is absolutely real. Everybody faces it. Um, yeah. <laughs> does it get easier with practice? Absolutely. It gets easier with practice. But um, but even Paul talked about it. You know, he said, you know, am I he, he said in the scripture, he said, am I still trying to please men? Which means that at one point in Paul's life, he struggled with the fear of man. It's just through his through, through the grace of God he became less and less, you know, fearful of man's opinion. But I think, you know, we will be doing people a disservice if we're like, oh no, that fear of man does not exist for anybody. But it's like in the midst of that fear, you still want to be bold about it, you know, because I've thought about it with business before. Like, you know, the thoughts come of like, oh, think of how many clients you could probably be getting if, you know, you didn't talk about faith. Think about how many people are probably rejecting you before even engaging with you because you're a Christian. You know, I'm, I'm like, Hey, you know what? If it comes down between me being bold about my faith and my love in Christ versus getting new clients because I'm not showing who I am, let the clients go. I will be good. I will survive. I was existing well Amen. without them. I will be good without them now. So you know what? Just do me a favor. Go to the other. Go to my competitors <laughs> here because God has me. They're not my source, you know. So I don't exactly. have to get worried about that. Jesus, is I my love source. this conversation. <laughs> I'm yeah, so delightful here uh, listening to you guys. And you mentioned the fear, you mentioned a fear that men probably have. And I and I was thinking that maybe people is afraid of being set apart because they feel they're gonna be alone. Yeah. Mm. Or because of they're gonna they feel they're gonna be rejected. They feel about the opinion of others. So I think I don't know if you if you guys experienced that before, like how many people I'm gonna lose when I I, I stick yeah. up on my face, you know. There's people who yeah. they feel they're gonna be losing people, but they're not gonna lose anyone. Like they're gonna gain more than whatever mm -hmm. they can lose. Yeah. So, do you think uh, what kind of fear do you think people may have when they when God asks them to be set apart for Him? Yeah, I would say definitely. Like I think you hit the nail on the head about you know losing the community. Um, for some people, I'm sure it's a lot deeper. Some people could say like, hey. I know I was hearing a story the other day and they said of how I think I was reading it in a book and they said that a woman, she 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 grew up in a, a very devout Muslim uh, family and she decided that she wanted to become a Christian. And she said that she was literally afraid for her life because she thought that she would be killed if she, you know, renounced the, you know, Islam faith. And I'm like, man, think of how much tougher here I am here in America in our first world lifestyle. We're like, oh, I'm going to lose some followers. And these people are like, I could lose my life by my own, by the hands of my own family. So I'm like, man, you know, Christians everywhere are, are having to make some tough decisions. And I think more than ever post, you know, pandemic and post 2020, I think we're now realizing here in America, like, wait a minute, people are, we're, we're being forced more as a nation and as a body of Christ to make, to pick a side. It, we're getting to a point as a society where God's like, you're either for me, you're either hot or you're cold, Like, you got to pick a side because too often we kind of stand in this middle ground of like, hey, I'm rocking with Jesus, but we're on the low key. You know, we're on the low. We're not almost like a a couple that's dating like like low key. They're like, hey, out in the public, we're just friends. But, you know, behind the scenes, they're they're actually seeing each other. And it's like, you know, Jesus doesn't want a, you know, a, a backdoor relationship. He does not want a enclosed. Jesus wants to live out of us publicly. You know, he wants us to be proud to walk down the street and say, exactly. hey, I have Jesus in my heart. And so with that. I definitely think that fear of, you know, what will I lose 
definitely comes into play. And I think it's it's even popping in my head now. I'm like, you know, just even the word set apart means that there's something coming from the majority to singularity. And so like if I have, let's say a, um, you know, like a, a, a can of cans, six cans of soda that I'm setting out. Well, I, if I open the pack and I, I remove one soda from that can and put it to the side for later, I've now set that apart. And you have now five cans and one by themselves. And so I think like just the word set apart, Jesus is telling us like, you will be alone for in certain capacities. Of course, we have a beautiful family of, of believers, which is why being involved with the church is so important, which is why serving is so important. Surrounding yourself with good Christian friends like, like you all are, you know. So thankfully that when we do separate from the world, Jesus has a whole better vibrant community for us to join and like to be a part of. So he has our back. Yeah, that's good. Um, this kind of remind me how when we are set apart, that's when God reveal his will and purpose for our life. And it reminds me of the verse that says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing and perfect will. And that's in Romans 12 too. Like it's just remind me that the, the more we decide on, okay, you know, I'm standing for Jesus. Then the more, the more he can use us for his glory. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. He can. Yeah. Uh, my question is, put yourself back to the Alan that was in college. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to a young college student who is struggling to be set apart, to live for God in this season? Yeah, I would say first is, um, I, I joke and um, I call it a, a CC with God, a crucial conversation. <laughs> and so like, have a crucial conversation with God and be real about where you are in your heart and your soul. Like, <laughs> God wants us to come to him and say, you know, Lord, I'm scared. Lord, I feel like I'm going to lose this or that. God, you know, these different things. And so I think it's so important to get real with God first. Start there. And then from there, you're going to have to make a, you're going to have to make a decision. Mm -hmm. Um, There are going to be tough decisions you have to make. But I think for that encouragement for that college student, especially at a younger age, Mm -hmm. especially at a place where college, where your faith will be tried and tested several times. Um, through one way or another. And especially in today's society, people are getting more bold with trying your faith mm-hmm. um, and trying to um, basically like discredit you for your yeah. faith. Um, so I think more than ever, the earlier person in their heart can make a decision to say, hey, you know what? I may not have it all together, but I'm standing for Jesus come hell or high water, period. Amen. Like, <laughs> the quicker you make that decision, the better off you will be. Will you make mistakes? Will you... Will you probably fall into compromise at times and you mm-hmm. go back and like, Lord, I know I should have said that or God, I should have <laughs> ministered to this person. And yeah, there will be times. I can even think of when I was in college one time and I remember, which I always think about this, like, Lord, I hope I won't be judged for this. But I can remember a specific time where my te- my professor, um, you know, he he brought up like a faith topic in class. And you could tell that this professor, he had just recently gone through a bitter divorce and you could tell he was really hurting. And he kept bringing up things about almost like how God may have like, not been real, but what it all boiled down what it all boiled down to was he was mad at God for his for how his marriage turned out. And and I remember um a couple of days later, we were like I was walking through like a staircase and like the at our college, it was like the staircase had this like back hallway area. It was like really, really weird, like a storage area. And so I remember I was cutting through like the back of the stairwell and he just happened to be back there walking through as well. And it was the perfect opportunity to have like a good private conversation about faith. And I felt prompted on my heart about 
I needed to share with him and, and pray with him in that moment. But I, I chickened out and I walked away. And I remember feeling like, God, I missed that opportunity because this man, he really needed you. And I, I missed that opportunity or not so much. I missed it. I, I forfeited it. And I just believe that the Lord, for one, he's, he still loves me. God forgave me. And God's like, yes, yeah, son, you should have. And but I forgive you. But he now has always also used it as a as a, a mile marker in my life to say, hey, remember how you felt when you missed that other opportunity and when you when you allow fear of man to keep you from from ministering my word or from praying with your professor. Don't let that happen again. And so God can use our mistakes. So for the college student, I would encourage you, like, don't get too tied up. Don't make it so religious. Like, don't get so caught up in like religion where you're like, oh, my God, like if I make one wrong move, God's going to strike me down. Don't get caught up on that. The Lord loves you and he's for you. Be for him. So a lot of people say, oh, God knows my heart. Get to know his. Like, you know, um, so, yes. yeah, that's my TED talk. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. And what advice would you give to someone that is, you know, because you mentioned about the fear of people. So what advice would you give to people that may be going through that phase of being afraid to speak up or being bold to share what God has placed in their heart? How mm -hmm. would you tell them to let go of that fear? Yeah. Once again, get real with God and ask him for his grace. We, I think we oftentimes think that grace is just his saving power. And it's like, yeah, it is. That's his grace, but it's also his power. You know, um, he told Paul when Paul said, I cried out three times to the Lord to take this thorn away. God said, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So I think that the more we can get vulnerable with God about, hey, God, this is a weakness for me. Lord, I'm coming up to you straight 100. I'm scared, Lord. I'm, I have a fear of man. Of course, if we refuse to acknowledge that. So if the person is struggling with that, but they refuse to acknowledge that fear, it's like God can't work with that because you're not being real with him. Um, so get real with God first, acknowledge that fear, ask for his grace. And then um, I would encourage them, like, ask God to give you small opportunities to start getting your reps in. Um, and I think for a lot of stuff, you know, with anybody, like whether they're in sports or let's say driving, for example, when I first started driving in high school, my parents did not immediately, first of all, give me a car. And they they surely didn't let me get on the interstate because we lived in the D.C. area. They were not about, about to let me get into D.C. rush hour traffic. I don't know if you've ever experienced D.C. traffic, but it is it is otherworldly. Yeah, it is crazy. And so with that, what they had to do is they had to start me small, small trips to the store and back um, around the neighborhood. Hey, get used to where the brake and the gas pedal are before you start taking on bigger things. And then as I accomplished those things, my responsibilities and trust with driving increased more and more to now I'm like, I could drive cross country if I wanted to. And I'm, I'm not remotely thinking about or like have any fear. And so um, and so I think, you know, asking God to do the same thing. He's a good father. I've prayed before when I could feel God was prompting me to evangelize more. I'm like, Lord, like, can you give me some small opportunities? And then it just made like a coworker comes up and was like, Hey, like you go to church, right? And I'm like, yeah, Hey, I have a question about faith. And you're like, thank you, Jesus. You brought this one to me. And then there's other opportunities where you're in public and like, like I was at like a subway station one time in, in Charlotte and um not like a it was like a train station. I shouldn't say subway because they definitely don't have a subway, but like a uh, a train station in downtown Charlotte um, a couple months ago. And the Lord was like, pray with that guy who's homeless. And I'm like, Lord, like, I don't know him. It was like literally like 11 o'clock at night in the middle of Charlotte. And I'm like, 
very some you know some sketchy people out there i'm like god this guy could go he you know he could scream at me he could attack me i don't know you know so all these scenarios are going through my mind and um the lord was like no just pray with them and i just asked him did he need prayer and he was very grateful he said that he knew the lord and i remember um he just he sat there right with us me and my friends and he prayed and then we turned around and he just walked away and i'm like I don't know, like literally to this day, somebody could give me a million dollars if I remembered his name. I don't. And so, um, (laughs) and so it was just those moments where the Lord, he gave me progress, like progression, step over step over step. And so I would say that's the best advice. Ask God for grace and then ask him for baby steps. Yeah, that's good because uh, Christy, you also have a similar story with the homeless guy. Homeless guy in the trend. Yes, I had a similar story where I was traveling and then I was taking the train and uh, was it Wood Island and Wood Island or something? Um, and then I was just sitting down. I was by myself. And then, but there was this man sitting by me, and I was just, I was just like, I, was, I kept thinking, oh, was this man homeless? Like he looked so lonely, alone. And but he was a nice, he was a nice guy. Um, and then suddenly, like he just started to tell me about his life. It was like, yeah, uh, my family died. That he was say, he was telling me that mm-hmm. he lost. All, his, all of his family members, he told me that they all got COVID and then they died and then he lost his home. He's, he has nobody to help him. And he was just miserable. And I just felt like at that moment, God told me, you know, tell him how much I love him. Tell him that I have a plan for him. Tell him that um, I will restore his life. And then I started telling wow. him, said, you know, well, God, God loves you. God will restore your life. And every, the Holy Spirit was really like speaking to me during that time. And I, he, he just, he just smiled at me later on. I can feel that God wanted me to say that to him. Like he needed that, that word that day. Yeah. I like what you said about like the God smile. I felt it's, it's so odd because it's like, it's a smile you can feel versus a smile you have to see. Like, like if right now, if, if everybody in this call closed, closed their eyes and we said, okay, a person smile, nobody can tell who's smiling if our eyes are closed, you know, but, but it's a different smile with God where it's like, a an impression he puts in your spirit of like, I'm proud of you. Like, like you please me in that moment. I'm, I'm very pleased with that action. And, and I've had that happen to me a couple of times where you're like, I feel like God's smiling down on us. And yeah. so <laughs> you feel a sense of peace afterward. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Peace and love and even joy of the Holy spirit. You're like, especially when you are scared to do something and then you take that mm-hmm. step and then God totally has your back. You're like, let's yeah. go. So um, it's like a joy that's really, really big. And I think even on that same vein, I, I, I want to mention like, you know, for the person who is taking that step out to evangelize or to share their faith or to share their testimony or whatever, like it may be, like, even if it looks like to you, it went quote unquote bad or negative. Don't think that that's a waste. I think a lot of times, one of the misconceptions we have as Christians is we think when we minister to somebody or we share our faith or we express it, that it's going to always be positively received and that the person's going to say, oh, I want to follow Jesus. And I'm like, that has, that's not always the case. But, you know, the Bible talks about of how when the farmer scatters seed, some lands on the, the rocky path, some lands on good soil as well. And so with that, it's like, hey, the person that God just told you to minister to, he may be giving them an opportunity because he's so he's such a good father. He he knows in this moment they're not going to receive him, but he wants that seed still laying on their on their soil. Because just because it starts out as rocky soil doesn't mean that the soil can't be tended to and eventually like become good soil. So soil has hope, same way humans do. Um, and so I think that's a good thing to know before starting, because what the enemy wants you to think is if you go minister to somebody and then 
they brush you off or they they curse at you or throw up their their middle yeah. finger at you, you're going to yeah. think I missed God. And it's like, <laughs> no, you didn't miss God. Like I had a woman at Dunkin Donuts one time. She like, I tried to minister to me. Uh, I mean, I tried to minister to her and she just like blew up on me. I mean, oh. and then she went on for the next 30 minutes straight. I'm not kidding. 30 minutes. She kept talking and talking and just she was in there at one point getting so loud and people, cashiers and guests were turning around. And she just started on this whole tangent about if God loved us, why did black people go through slavery? And and I I mean, asking these big questions and I'm like, lady, do you really think that I know? (laughs) Um, And so those are one of those moments where the enemy is kind of sitting back, like putting lies in your head of like, see, you just made a fool of yourself. You should have never talked to her. And I'm like, actually, no, a seed was planted. And for her to have that reaction, she was convicted. So that means God is now one step closer to winning her heart. Wow. Yeah, you say a good word. You say seed. Because I feel I feel like too often when we are ministering to someone, we don't we don't know if there, there has been a work done. But I feel like every word spoken is like a seed planted in mm-hmm. each person. That's so good. Yeah. Well, we made some amazing points <laughs> in this episode. Uh, it was really good to have you on the podcast, Alan. And Thank I'm you. Sure, like, the people that will be listening like will be so encouraged through it. And guys, make sure to like keep following the page and everything. So we're so excited. Um, and I hope everyone got a seed planted in their heart. Too. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you all so much <laughs> for having me. It's been a- <laughs> Thank you all for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you guys for listening. Make sure to tune in for our next episode.